Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk here at MediaVillage.com, where we bring you exclusive interviews with on-screen talent and behind-the-scenes creatives, discovering their stories and how they're changing the face of stardom across media. I'm your host, Juan Ayala. Thank you for tuning in, and now let's get to talking. From the minds of Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi comes one of my favorite new shows this year, Reservation Dogs, a new FX on Hulu slice of life coming of age comedy series that follows a group of indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma who are desperate to leave their small town and move to California and make something of themselves. I'm joined by Devery Jacobs, who stars as Alora Danan, the moral compass and true leader of the pack who always has her crews back no matter what. Devery, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat about all things Reservation Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, firstly, congratulations on such a hilariously wonderful show that's doing so much for Indigenous representation, uh, and not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well. It's amazing, uh, the crew you guys have got on your team. So, um, can you recall a project or performance that you saw where you first felt represented? I don't think I can look back at my childhood and and muster up a, a film or project or role where I felt represented because I really didn't growing up. Uh, I was like forced to empathize with like Indian in the cupboard and Pocahontas, which mm. I honestly, when I was young, really didn't think was a reflection of me at all. I didn't know that they were trying to portray like my family and my community. Um, but it was when I had auditioned for... Um, a project called Rhymes for Young Ghouls, which was my first leading role um, that I had looked at the character breakdown and I really saw my mom, my community, my family. And um, that was the the character of Ayla. Um, and that was my breakout role. That was a mm. film um, that came out in 2013. And again, it was my first leading role ever. And, and that was the first time where I had ever worked with an indigenous writer director on a live action project. And I think that just goes to show that it's really when we have control of our own narratives that our characters are three-dimensional and our stories are, are told accurately and, and truthfully. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really until I had done Rhymes for Young Ghouls that I, I saw myself represented. Interestingly enough, I was talking to to my boyfriend about how the show has a full like leading cast. It's indigenous, all of the writers, all of the directors. And he was just like gushing like, oh my God, that's why it's so good. Because these people are telling their own stories and it's not in this watered down sort of generalized lens. Because unfortunately, a lot of stories of color to make it sort of palatable for everyone. It's like super simplified and you can't get specific on the culture, unfortunately. But again, absolutely love what is what we've seen so far of the show and really excited for, for what's coming up. I've also found like there'll be a lot of projects or as an actor, I'll read breakdowns where I'm like, this will either be a reboot with people of color in it or it's like, sure, it's an original project, but it's done by an entirely like white creative team and honestly they just feel like white stories with brown people propped like plopped in their place Mm. um and so yeah I think it's like it's a testament to giving these communities and and the communities that I'm a part of control of our own narratives that like really makes the difference yeah that's definitely the direction that the industry should be going toward not just diversity for diversity's sake and like checking off like okay we have one Latinx person, we have one queer person, you know, instead of that, it's rather let's let them take control of the narrative as you're saying. So a thousand percent agree. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to see if I can like 
during this call pull up or during the podcast to pull up um this quote by Daniel Kaluuya, which really resonated mm. with me, where you were talking about like ticking boxes and and it that being like what it feels like in the industry. I'll see if I can pull it up during this time. It's it's worth uh, it's worth noting. So, as someone who's very active in Bolkoin issues pertaining to uh, the indigenous communities and indigenous rights, you know, how does it feel to be part of a series that has this full? team of indigenous people again sort of taking control of the narrative it feels about damn time it's <laughs> like i it's interesting how reservation dogs came to be as well because it wasn't actually a huge push from within the industry for indigenous stories per se i think i've looked around at the industry for the past couple of years and i'm like yes we're seeing more bipoc stories but where is the i in bipoc where are Indigenous mm. storytellers being uplifted and, and being afforded the space to tell our stories? And it was actually Taika YTT's doing. He is Indigenous, he's Maori from New Zealand, and while he might not be from Turtle Island, from what's now known as North America, um, there's still a, a global kinship between ind Indigenous folks. And it was through his doing, he had a first look deal at FX and he and his friend Sterling Harjo, who is the showrunner and co-creator and whose life Reservation Dogs is based around, he grew up in Oklahoma. They were like shooting the shit one night and just like having some beverages and talking about like what they wanted to do together because they'd been friends for so long. And three days later, the project was greenlit. And that wasn't because the industry was demanding indigenous stories or saw that they had a, a huge gap in in storytellers and communities that they were trying to represent but it was because there was an indigenous guy out there who found success and opened the opened the doors like to his peers mm. to to his friends and people he came up with other indigenous folks from from across the world that this whole project was able to to happen in the first place and also kudos to fx for being so open and not interfering with anything cultural or anything that makes this story so specific but they supported us a hundred percent in what is the first time directing television for two of our four directors on the series so I think it was a, a an accumulation of internal support and uplifting our peers within indigenous communities and also studios like fx just opening or networks like fx opening the doors for us yeah yeah um i mean what you what you said before about the i in bipoc not necessarily being um at the forefront unfortunately and um my mother's side of the family is indigenous from el salvador um they're part of the lenca ancestry and um you know i find the show even though i again i'm not like Taika, I'm not indigenous of the of North America. It's more Central America. Um, the show is still so relatable and funny, and and just there really is something for everyone. You would think that if you know, just like the byline of the show or the 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 plot line sounds so specific. You're like it's about four indigenous teens in small town Oklahoma. You're like, okay, well, big city folks might not relate to it. Other communities might not relate to it, but there really is something for everyone. We all know, like with Big and how he has his like conspiracy theories and, and yeah. how <laughs> Willie Jack has her superstitions with old customs and whatnot. I'm like, we, I feel like we all know somebody exactly like that. And it really is just so 
so relatable and, and really there is someone, something for everyone. So in your case, how much do you relate to Elora and her experiences? Or did you have a different upbringing compared to her? I think I had a different upbringing from uh, the character Elora Dannon. I was telling someone recently how we have very different views of the communities that we come from. I grew up in Gahnawaga, which is a reserve uh, just outside of Montreal, up in Canada. And Elora Dannon grew up in a rural town in, in Oklahoma. And I think when a lot of people think of reservations, they imagine the most impoverished communities and people just wanting to leave. But that actually wasn't the experience that I had growing up on my res. Um, in, in my community, we're a small population. We have under 10,000 people, but there's so much pride in, in being Mohawk. And I was surrounded by language and culture and mm. I'm surrounded by fluent speakers of Ganyegaha around me and my family. Um, and so I didn't actually ever want to leave my community. It was more out of necessity for wanting to do this job and wanting to work in, in the film and television industry. Whereas Laura Dannon just literally wants nothing but to leave this place and to run away to the faraway land of California. So I found um, I had a hard time at first finding my way into Allura and, and, and connecting to that. But I think it was through um, the storyline that we are actually going to get into throughout the season, which you're going to have to stay tuned for, mm-hmm. um, that we learn why Allura wants to leave this place so badly. And, and then we get to see all sides of Laura, which um, I'm really excited to, to share with everybody. Well, I, I really can't wait. Um, I've watched the first four episodes so far, um, just because, you know, we get screeners and, and whatnot in yes. advance. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I'm happy I did because I was just like, if I was stuck only watching the first and I had to wait each week, I'd be like, more, more. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, you're telling me my whole family is just like, you're are you serious we have to wait until September 1st because in Canada it's only going to be coming out on Disney Plus's um star mm-hmm. section on September 1st so everybody's just like are we go- are you really going to make us watch a legal <laughs> link when it comes out and I'm like yes we need we need to encourage the streams and we need to make sure right. that everybody's like voting with their eyes to continue <laughs> the storytelling on the screen <laughs> yeah we need the numbers for sure uh, so among your co-stars, um, you have uh, DeFerro Winatai, Paulina Alexis, and Lane Factor. Uh, among them, you've been in the industry the longest. Um, did you feel like you had this sort of like leader among the pack, similar to how it sort of plays out on the show, because you're sort of leading the charge? Because I know with, with Lane, this was his his debut uh, on screen. the first thing he ever auditioned for. Like, That's insane. <laughs> what a what a wild batting average. <laughs> right. One for one. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you feel like you had this sort of like leader position among the four of them because you've been in the industry the longest? I don't think that I had a leadership position as much as I had like a big sister role hmm. among everybody where I just like, I'm also a big sister in, in my life. So it's something that I come by naturally, but we formed such a fast family and I'm like, these are all my little siblings. And I and they're such naturals and they just get it and so there hasn't been there hasn't had to be a lot of like guidance or or anything like that but Mm. they know that if they ever need anything that like I'm always there and and yeah they're just like honestly my family now and they're the they're so great to work with and they're just like so quick and and picking Mm. everything up like Lane had never stepped on set before and now he's like a complete natural so (laughs) 
they're uh they're so awesome and i can't speak highly enough of them Oh, I mean, all four of you guys really are are shining on screen. It's like, to me, it's like a mix of movies I grew up watching, like The Goonies. It's about this like ragtag group of kids, but then there's this whole cultural layer that's on top of it. And it's something that we don't see enough of. And, you know, I'm sure that networks are going to see Reservation Dogs and, and think, okay, we need this. We need more of this. But I hope that they also see, as we were saying before, the team behind the camera and say, we need that to match. Like we need a group of people telling their own stories as opposed to let's copy that, you know, because unfortunately lots of that I am also like a huge believer, not only in like BIPOC storytellers and and LGBTQ2S storytellers behind the camera, but also in positions of power and who are Mm -hmm. the ones who are decision makers and decide who gets greenlit and what stories are considered valid and which ones they want to see on screen like we need producers we need decision makers and and powerful people in all positions all the way up the hierarchy in the film industry yeah i absolutely agree that's definitely where it starts because like you said they're the ones that green light projects they approve the budgets you need executives who are from those communities who would like oh we need that instead of i don't get it we don't need this story um so if you get the chance to continue telling these stories uh which i have no doubt you guys will get to tell these stories for a while. Um, without any spoilers for the rest of the season, um, what's something you hope to see for Alora and the Res Dogs in the future? I hope to see Alora and the rest of the Res Dogs get a chance to grow up a little bit and to also make even more mistakes. And and yeah, I'm just excited because it's such a it's such a colorful world that there are endless possibilities for us to dive into, whether it's us like going to a powwow like so many things can happen at the powwow between like eating fry bread and snagging and like <laughs> dancing and competition so I don't know I'm I'm just looking forward to all of the the different sides of our communities that we're going to be able to show mm-hmm. should we get a season two fingers crossed uh, so we always close out our interviews asking these uh, last two questions so if you told a 13 year old you that you'd made it this far would they believe you don't know that I would believe it, but I would hope that it would be true. I mm. always wanted to act. I always, um, not only that, I always wanted to be able to share our stories and, and to have community around me while doing it. And mm. so I would be skeptical at 13, but I would also be so excited for what that meant. And what advice would you give to that 13-year-old you? The advice that I would give would be um initially uh the initial advice I would give would be to be patient because the industry wasn't necessarily in a place where it was embracing of BIPOC stories and queer stories um so to not let that discourage me I originally didn't pursue acting full-time. I went to school for something else because Mm. I didn't think that it was realistic to be an actor uh, being an indigenous queer Mohawk kid from Gunnawage in the middle of a French province in Canada. I, I really didn't think that that was a possibility. And so to my younger self, I would say, hang tight, keep doing what you love and to always, um, trust your gut and your voice and, and whatever resonates with you will, end up being a reflection of your best work. Well, Devery, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Where can folks find you on Instagram if they want to give you a follow? 
Oh, thank you so much for, for having me. And yeah, you can find me uh, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. You can find me at kdeverijacobs. Um, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Awesome. And you can all follow us at MediaVillage.com on Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening. Head over to MediaVillage.com for our latest reviews and interviews. And don't miss Devery Jacobs starring in Reservation Dogs. New episodes streaming Mondays exclusively on FX on Hulu and on Star on Disney Plus if you're outside the U.S. I'm Haniala. That's Devery Jacobs. And you're listening to Multicultural TV Talk.